Welcome back to Night Shift Football. It's episode 130. We are up to back recording in the middle of the night, our eyes pried open, trying to make the most out of 1 and 2 a.m. kickoffs to bring our latest ramblings on football around Europe. This week, Serie A hits the fan, Jude Bellingham makes the world his oyster, and another Manchester derby turns blue. I am joined once again by Tommy. How are you going? Not too shabby, mates. Not too shabby. Love that. Uh, Cooper, how are you doing? Shabby or not shabby? Um, eh, not shabby, not shabby. Be honest. Tell us, tell the listeners what you told us when you got online to join us tonight. Yeah, um, had the dinner of a five-year-old, ran out four quarters <laughs> of netball, felt a little bit sick when I came home, had a quick chuck and and jumped straight online. So Yeah, love that. The quick vom and straight back in, the strategic vom. Uh, before pod recording, it's the nerves. The nerves get to him. He's all right with his fringe show crowds that he has, but he can't do the can't do the online pod. Gets to I, him. I, I heard throwing up was a big part of his fringe show. So, uh, big week of football. I don't know. Uh, might catch you off guard here. What's what was the highlight of this week? There was so much. Um, I really enjoyed uh, El Clasico, which I will get to right at the end. Yeah, absolutely. I thought that was good. We'll, we'll um, but. Class, Aside from that, I think my favourite moment from the week was the uh, Ballon d'Or being leaked, I don't know, five days early, seven days early. <laughs> the whole thing being like the most monumentally staged yeah. award presentation of all time. Grim, I, I haven't read too much into it. I saw some leaked stuff today and uh, I don't really, I've never, I've kind of always brushed aside the Ballon d'Or. It doesn't really mean much to me. It's, it's done in calendar years, which I don't give a shit about. And it's also like... A journos award. Sense. It's a journos award. You know how we feel about journos. Cooper? My um just on the Ballon d'Or, my favorite moment was actually probably watching the world of football go big A League, as we like to call it, having mm-hmm. Novak Djokovic, a male tennis player, present the female Ballon d'Or. <laughs> I know during the weekend of like <laughs> internationals as well. So like there's nobody there. Yeah, crazy. Um did you see when um, Bob Matzo came out, actually, and she's, like, standing at the podium and there's no award? No one's actually given her the award. So some random dude off stage has to run it out to him and be like, oh, shit, here you go. Terrible. It's all shit. It's like some shitty football Oscars thing that doesn't work. Um, my highlight, obviously, was uh, Adelaide United winning 6-0, but we'll get to that later. I just, I really just opened with this so I could plug that. Stay tuned for a red edition. It's going to be pumping because Adelaide are the best team in the world. So look out. Um, let's talk Premier League straight into it. There was a game Saturday morning, so the Friday night in England. Um, Spurs 2, Palace 1, or Palace 1, Spurs 2, if I read the home team first. Spurs just ticking along, doing their thing. Um, great goal to get them going, the, the, son, the, the son goal, Tommy. Yeah, I enjoyed that one a lot. Um, it was just, it's so slick and it's so uh, just encompassing of Ange and what he's doing with Spurs right now. Like you couldn't, you couldn't think of a more uh, Spurs under Ange goal that they could construct. Son has been just legit this entire season. Uh, he's back to that, back to that lethalness that we saw a couple mm. of seasons back when he scored, what did he score? 25, 27, 28. He scored a stupid amount of goals. Um, and I just, I'm here for it. I've been on the fuck it. I love Spurs train for ages now. Yeah, lovely. I I just realized I caught you off guard there because I didn't mention to you I was going to talk about Spurs, but I just had <laughs> in my notes here, I just had great goal. That second one, um, just a brilliant move, one end to the other. Yeah, I think we we messaged each other maybe uh, in the in the wake of I think I saw it yeah. online and I was just like, oh, this is so good. This is An proper. Yeah. Yeah, this is just proper football. And we'll, there's a few games that it's going to highlight and come back to Ange and what he's doing. But like he is, um, he's like the excuse breaker for all the other big name managers that can't get their shit together right now. Mm. Yeah, yeah, but I noticed you unmuted yourself, so you got something. Yeah, I did unmute it is myself. Prem after all. Thanks for noticing that. No, well, um, <laughs> this might surprise you, Tommy. I didn't realize this game was on until I went to change my fantasy team on Saturday afternoon and wasn't able to because I'd already had two players play. Oh, it's a killer, isn't it? When you forget about the Friday yeah, night fixture. Pop that. It never used to be a thing for a long time. And then I, I like it. Uh, oh, well, I'd like it if I lived there. I guess here it mm. just 
means it's a Saturday morning, like 4 a.m., 5 a.m., 6 a.m. game. Did, did Spurs cop this fixture because they're not in Europe? Because I noticed yeah. that they played the last fixture. They played the standalone fixture on the Monday last week and then played the, the day early this week as well. So they only had a four-day break between Premier League games with no Europe midweek. Unsure. That's a question for the uh, the fixture wizards, I guess. Um, I'll stay with you, Cooper. Uh, Chelsea nil, Brentford two. Um, wow, uh, this was, I think, a fairly ordinary game, but you might have seen it a bit differently, differently to me. Um, no, nah, Grim Football, I think I described it as two really average teams going at it until someone scored a really average goal and then just a shambolic second as a team looked for an equaliser and that's really how it was. Um, I mentioned to you at the time of the game that I actually wanted to talk about this Chelsea team in a little bit more of a a thoughtful, strategic manner potentially rather than just laughing at them like I enjoy doing every week. Um, oh, come on. That's what I this, log on for for these no, you'll in, You'll enjoy this, Tom. Um, this is a soulless, gutless football side because oh, I'm in. the two I'm in. we're in the, the two best Chelsea performances of this season were opening day against Liverpool and at home against Arsenal. The um one or two weeks ago now when they they managed to get the draw, obviously were two 0 up should have had more. Um, but the only time this football side performs is when there is zero expectation on the back of it. When they are expected to win a game of football, they cannot do it. When there's no expectation of them to get a result, they find their way into games. There's just nothing from this football side for me. They just, they're just they just heartless. That's nice. They're missing the Aussie DNA, aren't they? Just, they just that need... little bit of get up and go. Is there, a, is there another Ange floating around? Maybe Kevin Musket can go and manage Chelsea. Oh, wouldn't that be interesting? I saw he's been linked to Millwall. Fuck Chelsea. He'd put the cunt right back in them, wouldn't he? <laughs> But I just, yeah, they're just missing something for me. I just, whenever there is expectation on this, if, I'm sorry, Brentford can't go to Stamford Bridge and win 2-0. That's not, that's not Chelsea. That's not the Chelsea way. They not in the, it. not in the form Brentford have been either. I think a lot of us, I think the three of us maybe had picked Chelsea to probably win this one at home, given the form of, I know that Chelsea haven't been great, but Brentford have been poor this season. They got up with a win last week against a struggling Burnley though. Um, and I thought, Chelsea would have enough about them. They did. They had plenty of the ball, um, but they're just like you said, gutless and lifeless in attack and one-dimensional. And it's it sickens me that Arsenal dropped two points there last yeah. week. That's what it comes back to. Um, but like Cooper said, they played up, didn't they? They actually had uh, you know a fighting instinct to go out. They had something to to actually prove. Maybe you know it's a side constructed entirely of young footballers, essentially who haven't actually made the grade yet. And so they're all trying to establish themselves at the same time. And so in a fixture like that, Arsenal, Liverpool, at the beginning of the season, you can see why they would be a little bit more, uh, you know, inspired, I suppose, to put a performance out there as they would at home to Brentford. But uh, how much do you take away from Brentford? Because they have a better home record at Stamford Bridge than Chelsea do at the moment. <laughs> yeah. Um, goals, uh, just, I, I don't know, they're, they're fullback there for Chelsea. Probably uh, maybe a little bit at blame again. I, I highlighted him last week. I still don't know his name because that's lazy of me. So I admit. don't care. But <laughs> just, again, just kind of swinging legs around, not really looking to know what's around him and uh, the player beating him to get it in. And then the second goal, I thought was uh, the commentary was pretty harsh on the second goal there. It's 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 the 96th minute. And uh, who was on? I think it was Jim Beglin maybe on special comms saying it was stupidity from Pochettino not to have anyone yeah, back. And, but it's, it was the 96th minute. Like, well, they did have... Palmer was there, but, like, kind of... the call just... of... To me, it was the commentary call of you can't send your goalkeeper forward and not leave a defender back. If you're going to send your goalkeeper forward, what's the point of sending your goalkeeper the whole forward point. if you're going to put someone point. in this position? The whole <laughs> point have... is you throw in the kitchen sink and you might as well have the bloke back there that can use his fucking hands if you're going to leave someone back there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they had Palmer... Uh, maybe like a third of the way down the pitch or something, but and the keeper right up. Like it doesn't matter. It's yeah. fine. I don't think was it's he... stupid at all. Like at no. the end of the day, they're they're losing that game if they don't score yeah, off that corner anyway, aren't they? Like, well, that's, that's it. Is, so it's the my last favorite, roll of the dice. My favorite part of this goal was that Neil Mopai nearly fucked it, and it oh, would have been so funny if he. How brilliant! That guy I is cabbage. Isn't he? he? Sucks. A straight He's up turnip. 
hell good at getting booked for like not being on the pitch and doing anything. Really poor in front of goal when he has an open chance from about 25 yards out. I was almost hoping and where I squared it back to him and just was like, here you go, please take the fucking goal. Hurry up and score in, a damn goal. In what world? Him. And Buemo is in both of our fantasy teams. I was so <laughs> impressed when he knocked it towards him. Oh, we got away with that yeah. one, didn't we? I loved how everyone thought it was offside as well. It was like, in what world? Like, what hope yeah. are you clinging on to here that not, he's Not our hopes. Um, yeah, I don't know if you have any more on... Do you have any other points there for Chelsea Cooper? But there, um, we're beyond... We've talked about him a lot of weeks and then we tried to skip him and come back to him thinking that they were on the up maybe and that they would they would continue on a bit of a winning progression and we'd be able to talk more highly of them, but it just hasn't happened. And I just it's just such a disaster to look at when you look at the money spent and what's going on there. Um, it's um it's it spurs tatters. away spurs away for Chelsea next week, and I cannot work out whether they're going to play up to it again because there's no pressure on, or if they're genuinely going to go to Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and lose seven nil. I think mm. either way, both of those to me are pathetic. To me, it's <laughs> well, no. Well, well, well. I'm saying you can't just rock up at Spurs next week, um, give it a big crack and get a result there, and then run off like cheering about it when you've given this shit at home to Brentford and all the other shit you've dished up at home or wherever else in the league this year. Okay, mm. you can't just. You have to show up every. You have to respect each team, because if you're if they if they are getting up for the Spurs game next week and they got up for the Arsenal game, that to me says they're not respecting a team like Brentford. In what world do these guys get to not respect a team like Brentford? It's a great point. A lot more goal scorers in that team than uh, Woodrick has this season, or any of the any of these other jokers that they've thought to draft in. Uh, absolutely. Uh, we'll keep it moving. Bournemouth two, Burnley one, which I think. We game of the weekend. Probably two of the three teams that we had at the start of the year that we were never going to watch. So I have caught some Burnley this year just merely through them playing another team I wanted to watch, but that's about it. And Bournemouth, <laughs> obviously, I've watched the highlights here and there, but Bournemouth and Burnley, if anyone was tuning into that, uh, when Arsenal were playing Sheffield at the same time and there were goals predicted in this one. I was a bit more pessimistic, as you are when it's your own team, but Arsenal 5, Sheffield United, Neil Cooper. Yeah, um, the Eddie and Kedia show. The Eddie and Kedia. There you go, Shane. There's a bit of fucking pronunciation for you, mate. Eat that one, dickhead. Pronunciation. Cooper and for other listeners, Cooper and Tommy have been copping it for pronunciations on uh, in various group chats and online. They're getting bullied. Um, let us know if anyone says anything wrong. Let us know and let them oh, know dude, hard. No, don't yeah, do it. Yeah, um, well, let, me know, let me know how to say it as well because I'm sick of people telling me that I'm saying things wrong but not being able to tell me how to actually say them. <laughs> this isn't an English class. Like you're supposed to come prepared, willing to know. Um, no, but yeah, Eddie and Kedia show. Um, three goals and three really good goals too. The I know, I know that last goal was was a great hit, but that first goal is a pick of the bunch for me. That that touch, the control, and the composure from Enkedia is something I, I didn't think this guy had in his locker. And I know it was Sheffield United, but yeah. in in the box, in between defenders, it's it's still great football. You didn't think he had it. I've been talking smack about this bloke all season and last season. Um, I guess I can't say anything negative about him this week. Uh, <laughs> Or unless you want to use Fine. the approach, unless you want to use the approach that maybe Sheffield are really shit, which they are. But which they are. That doesn't change the fact, yeah, that first goal was just a gorgeous touch just to knock it beyond the defender and then tuck it home. Um, one of those ones where you kind of, you can't, you got to get it out of your feet past the defender, but not too far. Otherwise, it's the keeper's ball. So that was excellent. And then obviously, he scores the rocket, which, um, you know, it doesn't really matter what the caliber of opposition is when you score from there. It's a great goal. Um, mm-hmm. Just an all-round good. I, I tell you what, for a little while there, uh, what was it one nil at half time? Um, had the had that feel of I've seen this. I've seen this movie a few times at the Emirates with Arsenal against these bottom teams. Um, but they they went on with the job pretty professionally in the second half. Maybe the odd half scare, but nothing too nothing too dramatic. So all easy there, Tom. You got anything on Arsenal? Sheffield, uh, yeah, uh, Sheffield are deplorable. Mm. That's the they've got now the worst start in Barclays history, yeah, uh, which puts them well on track to break the 
uh, Derby's record. It should be great. Mm, yeah. Track that all season. I think um, we um they're gone. Sorry. No, what do you think? Oh well just the way we if there was any Luton listeners, they'd be pissed at us right now. We <laughs> raved on about them for a while, talking about them breaking points records. And um here Sheffield are just lurking around with one point. Staring us straight in the face. I said from the outset I'm not watching Sheffield, so I didn't watch this game. Um, but I always knew Eddie Nketiah was a good championship striker. <laughs> and he is, without a doubt, a flat track bully. I want to see him do it in consistently now and, like, against good opposition as well. I want to see him score match winners in tight situations. Yeah, that but- third, third goal was nice, but I'd probably shoot from there against West Fodringham as well. I'd try my luck too, I think. What makes What's him a- not the issue? <laughs> What would make it a flat track bully? Like, is it because he's playing for a top club? No, he uh, he only scores in you know fixtures that look. They needed him to score to win this game. Yes, I I agree with that. But he scores against those kind of opposition where you would be expecting an Arsenal number nine to score goals. So it is because he's Arsenal. Was my point there? Yeah, a little Which bit. He did yeah. come around to in the end because I'm yeah. saying like if he was playing for like a you know if he was at West Ham or something like mm-hmm. that, you know, and this would be like, yeah, good match-winning goals. <laughs> uh, um, well, that's a, yeah. That's an interesting question because obviously Jared Baldwin is in the England setup and and Kedia isn't at the moment or he's flirting, so. is he? flirting on the edges. First, oh, he is in first thing on cap, the last international. Uh, a resident, oh, a resident he, fake Tom is uh, all he's over all it there, over isn't it. he? He loved it. Um, he's done with the Cricket World Cup. He's now watching Nketiah rack up caps. Wolves 2, Newcastle 2. Tommy, you had some notes on this one you wanted to mention. Uh, just <laughs> the the Huang fantasy captaincy experiment continues to reap rewards. <laughs> uh, don't ask how many points. Is he our captain? Why he's, he... been our cap- he's been our captain for the last couple of weeks. What have you done to our team? No, I just, I'm of the belief that differential points will count for more over the course of a season. And so we are building a consistent base where we score equal amounts of points every week. Stop. Um, it's it just it's true. Yeah, so wouldn't it, wouldn't it make sense to just have Haaland captain? Yeah, he's um, wrong because Huang has, had a, Huang has had a potentially career-defining five weeks for Wolves and hasn't outscored Mohamed Salah once yet. <laughs> he's also half the price. <laughs> but you don't... We're not bartering prices for captains here. You're, <laughs> it's not more expensive to captain Salah. <laughs> no, I'm saying I don't have Salah. He's like a really good guy to have in your team. Yeah, you why would you? We had Holland, we had Holland and Salah last year, and uh, they you were don't have, two highest have... point getters, and you just offloaded one. <laughs> he doesn't he doesn't have Son either, so I don't really know where the money's gone. <laughs> oh, don't ask me, man. I looked at it today, and there was three red triangles next to our players. Last, I don't know what's happening. Last money's on the beers, lads. You, you started with Brendan Aronson in centre midfield, and I'm pretty sure you were going better then than you are now. Um, <laughs> in this game, Huang, uh, the real, the old. Uh, Usually it goes hero to villain, but he's gone the other way this time, giving away a penalty that we, I think we all believe was probably a dive and that he just kind of kicks the ground and stops. he stops swinging. And uh, either way, I think he's he's had a real clumsy moment anyway, but just not clearing the ball. But um, I, I'm still not, I'm not convinced it was a penalty. Yeah, he's um. You're right. It's clumsy. He's had one of those where he's taken a heavy touch, and then with he's just panicked and without he's just dawdling on the edge of the box, without being aware of his surroundings, he's just taken a swing. Um, but our boy Jared Gillett was in the he was in the VAR booth, and he looked our at boy? this. For, he's not our boy. Yeah, come sorry. On. I sh- we'll we'll claim Ange, but we we won't claim Jared. I, I see how it goes. We yeah, claim legends, not workers. Yeah. <laughs> we definitely uh, don't claim any referees. <laughs> no. <laughs> but anyway, the Aussie boys in the VAR booth, and he has looked at this for a serious amount of time. And and I discussed this with a few other Premier League watching friends during the week, and um, and with obviously Shane, who's a fellow referee. Unfortunately, I don't know why I got into this discussion, but we actually agreed on this point that I think Gillett looked at this for so long because he knew it was a he knew it wasn't a penalty. He was convinced that watching this back, if he'd seen it live, he wouldn't have given it. But the way the VAR system works, he can't overturn it. And and I think that's a flaw on the other side of the floor that we usually look at. Whereas he's going, no, why, why can't he? 
Well, because there's contact, right? There's the tiniest little bit of contact in this play where Huang's swing, he's pulled back. There's nowhere near enough contact to bring to bring Fabian Cher down. But yeah. once there's contact, it's not a clear and obvious error on the referee's part. So he can't overturn this decision to the IFAB law of the game. Whether he wants to or not, he can't <laughs> overturn this decision because it's not a clear and obvious error. So it's the it's I mean, we've said for a while, it's the rules that are cooked and it's there are some referees that interpret the rules very strictly, clearly. Um, because, I mean, you could also say that Huang got the tiniest little bit of the ball as well. I mean, this, as me- as the same amount as the contact. This was, I don't know if you watched the game, you're looking at me a bit confused, Sam, but this was over a three-minute VAR check and it didn't end with an on-field review. I'm so- confused because we've seen so many, so many, 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 many incidents where... Um, we're looking at stuff that is in what world would you say it's a clear and obvious error? And so it's obviously apparent that there's these weird little definitions of what clear and obvious error is. And mm. apparently that different definition is doesn't match up with what the definition of clear and obvious is to me. Like if that's the case, because yeah. if you think it's an error, then we should just be looking at it. And I think Mainly, the ones that you do see are ones that aren't given a penalty. They're always looked at, and it'll be the most minute thing. And so we deem that as a clear and obvious error, but this one isn't. It's just so for I me that for me they're very like I just don't know. They're just yeah, they're very contradictory. I think I think what it is 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 Anthony Taylor is is the on field official in this case, and he thinks that Wang's made contact with. Fabian share and he's taken a decent chunk of him. So he he gives the penalty and, and Jared Gillett goes, all right, we're just checking this penalty. What have you given the penalty for? And Anthony Taylor's saying to him, I don't feel like Wang's got the ball. I feel like he's made contact with Fabian share and I've given the penalty. And Jared Gillett looks at it and Wang hasn't got the ball and he has made contact with Fabian share. And, and I think how the, how I'm interpreting the rules from reading the, the IFAB law book and conversations with, with referees is that Gillett's looked at this and, because there is the contact there, the contact exists. It does. He doesn't get to then go and interpret how strong he thinks the contact is. His only job is to go: is there contact or isn't there contact? What's the point? He can get Cop, the... cops wrote this, didn't they? Cops wrote the IFAB laws. Can we not get the ref? Can he? So he can't even ask the referee to go look at it again for himself. Well, I think what I what I said to Shane is that. To me, in, in this scenario, every single professional referee that is getting to paid to look at football should be able to look at a video of any incident and tell me whether it's a penalty or it's not a penalty, right? There should be no interpretation. This incident, they should be able to look and go, that's a penalty or that's not a penalty. And if the referee in the VAR booth who has the blessing of looking at replays, right, that's the whole point of this. We've got the blessing to fix our errors. If he's looking at this and he goes, that's not a penalty, it shouldn't matter if there's contact or if, or if there isn't. This guy's a professional referee. If he thinks it's not a penalty looking at replays, then it's probably not a penalty. Mm. But he's not there's... as good a referee as the guy in the middle. <laughs> uh, there's also the fact that Jared, uh, our mate, we named a pot after him once. It was called Jared uh, Jaleo Fish. Um, he may have potentially one. it was a good one wasn't it he may yeah. have potentially just been sitting there like a fish just and forgot <laughs> forgot that he was watching the replay and uh, the game was waiting for him to make a decision that's also a possibility um Quang did make up for it with that equalizer i thought it was an excellent little goal um thank you really the, the way he uh i'm not thanking you mate you shut up the way he cuts inside with the inside foot is really cool uh, the outside of the, you know what I mean by the inside foot? He cuts to the left with his left foot. Mm. <laughs> the outside of his left foot. We got there eventually. But it's, it was it was so sharp. Um, yeah. Wang's packing. Really, it was really good. He's packing. Yeah, it's in the name. It's in the I don't name. Have, I don't have much or anything at all to say about Wang's goal, but I just wanted to say that was a really good conversation about VAR. Good process, boys. Yeah, good shit. Let's <laughs> oh, go. there it is. It's upset, isn't he? Yeah, uh, old man. Replay it. Replay it. Seriously, Cooper, I would I'm be in favour of replaying this one. Enough, Cooper. I'm coming back to you again. Um, Everton won. West Ham nil. Uh, so f- for listeners, what we do every week, we throw together, we throw in all the names of the games that we want to talk about. Um, I open the floor up. For some reason, Cooper thinks Everton West Ham was worthy of talking about. Yeah. Um. 
I'm feeling vindication with this one. Oh, um, here we go. I'm oh, no, it's a self-trumper. No, it is, it is. And, and I want to genuinely, I'm assuming neither of you watched this game or or bothered to watch the 35-second highlight. I watched the first half. With it. Yeah, the early early kickoff, obviously. Um, early just, at 11.30 at night. <laughs> earliest. Early for us. <laughs> earliest kickoff. <laughs> um, but this is what I've been saying all along, that West Ham are a bottom half side because they're going to play dog shit teams that they're supposed to be better at. And because of this system that they're set up to play, they're not going to be able to beat them. And this is a prime example of that. They're set up and their only style of football is to wait for a team to come at them. And they played one of the probably five or six teams in the Premier League that physically aren't capable of coming at them. And they had no, no response. Yeah. Love. I'll let you, I'll, I'll let you have that vindication. Actually, I thought it was going to be about Everton, but I'll let you have it on West Ham there. Um, I still don't think Everton deserve much praise at all. They need to show a lot more than they have. Um, they got one here, but West West Ham would be the fans, especially, be super disappointed with this after the run they've been on and just the, you know, the form that Bowen's been in. It's not good. No, you're spot on, and. This says more about West Ham to me than than it says about Everton. Absolutely, and and every time Everton win a game this season, it's going to say more about the team that they beat than what they're doing <laughs> themselves. Because that's just how it works. Because they're utter shot. Yeah. Unless they but, go on and win the next thirty in a row, but um, but you know, I West Ham are now. There was people saying impressive the given we played like, ten. West Ham are playing this unreal football on the counter. They're they're going to be okay. You know, they're ninth now after this. And with the cram that's in the middle of the table, if they go to Brentford and drop points again this weekend, they could be as, as low as 16th by the end of the week. Mm. Yeah, it's 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 gross. Uh, find themselves back in the mix. Has, um, going has down it, real quick, smart. Has anyone been sacked yet this season? Can't remember anyone. Is that, I, I feel like by this me, time last year, there was like eight people. Sacked. It was heaps. Oh, yeah. it was heaps. Scott Parker had already walked. Um does that mean my tip for Moyes still to get sacked first is on? Because that would be that would come in big. It could be that'd be funny. Um, <laughs> it would be really funny. Um, the other games on the Sunday night slash Monday morning. Uh, there's only really one worth noting here. Uh, Villa beat Luton three one. Brighton drew with Fulham one all. Disappointing the one. result for them, I think. Given, um, I think just given the the we hold Brighton in a bit of a higher esteem now, don't we? Um, mm. Liverpool three, Nottingham Forest nil was pretty regulation. And from what I saw, it could have easily been more than three. Uh, Cooper, I don't know if you want to say anything about Liverpool this week, but I'll just not really because you're a pretty, Liverpool fan. But uh, pretty substandard. Nottingham Forest are terrible. Probably should have won by more. than just cruised though. I think Klopp will be happy with the little effort they had to put in. Yeah, yeah. very good. There's, exactly. There's some bad. There's some bad teams in this league this season. Ah, uh, but there was of course a Manchester derby at Old Trafford against a. A pretty ordinary United side and City just uh, in cruise control, I'd say, for the most part. Holland with Holland with a double and uh, and an assist. And for some reason, he's not our fantasy captain. But um, there you go. Uh, yeah. He was always going to play up for this one, wasn't he? I just, I don't know if you have more to say about this, Tom, but I just want to ask if you two have, you've all, you've seen the goals from this game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Harlan's header at the back post for the second goal, the, the defending in this situation. Um Elite are we both are we both aware of Manchester United mega fan dickhead Mark Goldbridge? Do we see his videos around on YouTube and TikTok? No. I, d- uh, I knew Sam wouldn't be aware. I've seen this guy. This guy's a yeah, dog. Um, you mean you knew I wouldn't be aware? Am I the most boomer one here? Yeah, I think Oh, without are. a doubt. Yeah. Do you know who Even Speed though- is? Did you see Speed at the Ballon d'Or this morning? Uh, is that the World Cup? It is. <laughs> it does yeah. not. Uruguay. <laughs> World Cup. Yeah, I know him. I know Speed. Yeah. Um, anyway. anyway, Mark Mark Goldridge, he's a knob, but he summed this goal up perfectly um, on his live. He live streams himself watching the games, a bit like a, a Super Sunday situation for Man United supporters. And he's asking why Haaland's unmarked at the back post. And he said, leaving Erling, Erling Haaland unmarked at the back post is like leaving your pet cow with Ronald McDonald. What? <laughs> what? What's he talking about? Just never going to end well. Just No, but like in oh what God. sense? Well, I, Haaland's, pro- Haaland's probably going to score and Ronald McDonald's probably going to kill your cow. <laughs> That's, I mean, but wouldn't the wouldn't the metaphor be Ronald McDonald scoring with the cow? Uh, oh, 
Yeah. Not quite. Beef patties, but... Goldbridge like, is on. a dirty old perv, I'm telling you. Yeah. That's grim. How, um, how, how do you leave Harland unmarked at the back post, though? You tell me. Well, I mean, you've got Johnny Evans playing centre-back. That doesn't I was going to say, do you want an answer to that question? It's Victor Lindelof, Harry Maguire, Diego Tavo, <laughs> Johnny Evans. Yeah. <laughs> I don't but know. It's, just, it's so remarkable the way he doesn't even... All he does is pull backwards and they're all ball watching. They're all sucked into the cross. It's crazy. The You gave Chelsea a pretty hard rap tonight for being gutless and lifeless. I, I'm tempted to put this United squad in the same boat um, with maybe the odd exception, but not too mm. many. McTominay, maybe, who had a decent chance. I mean, they weren't so far out of it, Man United, to begin with. Um you know, th- th- maybe there was an opportunity where they could have jagged a half chance and it goes in 1-1 a half time, maybe. But, but, you know, they come out in the second half city and just do what they do and steamroll them. I, is it gutless? I like. I find Man United have moved past that. They're, they are soulless. They are gutless. And now they're petulant. Now they're just little brats, man. And, like, the behaviour of Anthony when he come on, uh, the behaviour of Bruno Fernandes throughout the game again, uh, there's a reason Roy Keane is now calling for him to be stripped of his captaincy. It's because he like he really does sum up everything that's bad with Man United when they're getting beaten. He does, he, yeah. He sulks, drags his knuckles around the pitch, gives away just horrendous fouls, and not like in hard 50-50 challenges that are supposed to G up your teammates around you, just like late, dirty shit. Yeah, just whinging. Yeah. I, I, I saw this as well, Tommy, and, and I have a question to to raise to you and Roy, and it's if you took the armband off Fernandez, who the fuck would you put it on? <laughs> I'm giving it to McTominay. Like, man. But you can't give an armband to Scott McTominay because he played two good games of football. He also has given two penalties away in his last two starts. If it wasn't yeah, Fonana, no. they could be out of Europe off his own back. I I'm, think not, saying gra- to, I'm um, not saying he's a great player. <laughs> I think you give it to Casemiro if he's fit. I know he's yeah, been I'm, sent off a few times. He doesn't want to be there anymore. But he, I mean, um, even, he, he's probably the best option. He's just still, at times, he's a little bit of a liability. I'm not sure there is. He is, but I think he's play, He's still been playing well and showing a bit showing a bit of heart, at least, and a bit of yeah. fire. He looks like, a, like, I think we mentioned the other week, Casemiro looks like he's still just, he's literally is just too good to be in this team still. 100%. Um, and I think the lack of leadership shows on this corner here. When the foul... The penalty that broke the game open, really. City mm-hmm. struggled to to break Man United down until this penalty. Their first 26 minutes were scrappy. And this is a really inexperienced, naive foul from yeah. a very inexperienced young striker who's playing his fifth or sixth Premier League start and is left to defend a big physical body one-on-one in the 18-yard box in a derby. There has to be a leader standing up, marshalling. I'm not sure if this is naive for me, thinking that professional footballers shouldn't just be responsible for a man, but there has to be a better option to defend one-on-one in the box than, than Rasmus Hoyland in this situation. It always comes back to the, like, the you know, the opposition centre-backs are always the main threat at set-pieces, but you rarely see the centre-backs mark them. Mm. Well, it's this, it's this zonal coverage, but this Man United team, you know, Lindelof, Evans... Sophia and Amrabat, Scott McTominay, even Marcus Rashford. There's tall boys in this team. There's six guys tall enough to defend a centre back, and Rasmus Hoyland is defending one on a corner. Is Hoyland is Hoyland short? I'm, no, I'm he's not, a big boy. He's not that short himself. He's I don't think. Big. I'm not. I'm not saying it's oh, it's high relative. I'm saying surely there's a more experienced player yeah. that can can bump Rasmus off and go. Oh, it's hope. all right, mate. I, I've got this one. I am. Um, I think uh, yeah. Hoyland's been. Um... He's been okay in the games he's played. I think he's coming along all right. He's starting to sniff around the goals. He's been a bit unlucky as well. I think it'll come. Oh, he's still... You're giving him too much credit. I don't mind him. I don't mind him. I think he'll be okay. Um, I don't think he's going to set the I world reckon... on fire. I don't think he'll set the world on fire, but he's, no. he's he's showing enough up there to hold his spot. Okay. Yeah, that's fair enough. I mean, there's and the options they have to pick from, really. If you're going to spend that kind of money, you may as well blood him. Um, I just I feel like he doesn't think he's going to give the pen away for doing it because... This stuff happens a lot all of the time. Yeah, it does. It has to be given though. It's it's the arm. It's because it's not like the arm on, just on him. It's like wrapped around and mm. holding him as he's trying to run. I have no problems with it being given. Um, a couple of things I just wanted to highlight here. Um, 
Uh, Holland on a hat trick there at the end there. Every right to shoot, I think, and probably score, but squares it up for a sure thing. Tap into Foden. I thought that was a pretty, pretty telling of the sort of player Holland is. Um, you know, obviously he scores bags of goals. One of the big talking points about him when he was at Dortmund was the way he celebrated teammates' goals and things like that. Like he's a genuine. I know he's the star of the show at the moment in world football, but he is a genuine team player as well. He just wants his team to win games. Um, and I just love that. It's just huge winning mentality from a guy like that, especially at his yeah, age too. That's um, it. Given given the sort of characters we see in the game these days and the way they strut about with their egos, uh, for sure he struts around, he's arrogant, but um, the way he plays on the field is just brilliant. Um, yeah, it's, indic- it's indicative of the Pep and City uh, model as well. Yeah. The the other point I had was I don't know if I don't know what you guys think of this. Cooper, you might have an insight maybe, but City at 3-0 up there, or when did they score the third? 80th minute. They make two subs in this game and they're in the 87th minute. That's Doku for Graylish and Kovacic for Alvarez. Um we've got he's got a bunch of players there on the bench that are never seeing any game time. They've got European games. He tends to still stick with pretty well the same players. There's not a heap of rotation. Um, someone like Calvin Phillips, uh, Rico Lewis is sitting there. Could these guys not have got on for a few minutes at the end here in a 3-0 up? Or is Pep going to tire this team out, trying to win he res- he Champions respected League the f- and the Premier League? He respected the fixture. We were talking That's- last week about the disrespect. Respected the fixture, 3-0 up in the 87th minute. You can make changes, man. Yeah. You made um, two. I've seen a lot of talk about Klopp's lack of rotation, uh, Pep's lack of rotation, and Ange's lack of rotation to this point in the season so far. Um, and there seems to be a bit of chatter around how the international breaks are spaced this season. We've had an international break every four, every uh, fourth week so far this season. So we're playing three Premier League games and then having an international break. And I believe we have one more week of Premier League fixtures. And then we have a November international break again. So I'm not necessarily sure the rotation is is needed at the moment. And potentially managers are strutting their He's... strongest lineups out and using the international break as an opportunity to, to reset. These guys are playing internationals every game though. A lot of these guys are playing their internationals. They're playing Champions League. They're playing Europa League. They're playing, you know, whatever else is on. These guys are playing games every, like, pretty much two a week, the entire season, right the way through. Yeah, it's 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 a weird one. I'm not not sure where they're they're coming off, you know, because I mean, I guess with with European football, these bodies are conditioned to be playing two to three games every 10 to 14 days. And when they get an international break, they're playing one game, usually smack bang in the middle of a 14-day period. So potentially there is still more of a rest for these guys over the international break than there is with um, mm. without it. Um, but then we also saw Pep um, give Edison a rest and then rotate Ortega in for a game in the Premier League last weekend. So... It's yeah, I think, confusing, and I'm not sure when we get less and less of these breaks or we get further into the season, we'll see more rotation. But Yeah, I guess I'd, I wouldn't want to look at it as one game over a 14-day period. And I'd rather look at it week by week. It's still a game a week because you don't have a week, like a weekend off either side of the international breaks. You play the weekend, then the next weekend you've got the international, yeah, yeah. and then the next weekend Come you're back. back. So it's still a weekly you know, kind of run of games is still a weekly occurrence. Um, I get your point there. Maybe there is a, a little bit more of a gap, but um, and a lot of them, maybe if it's friendly, is only playing one of the two. Um, I guess just in the end, I want to ask Calvin Phillips if he's happy with his choice to go to that city. <laughs> he would be, right? How many trophies has he won now? Surely. Surely it's hollow. Oh, but I don't he think does he's... not play football. I don't understand. I don't think his his grandkids are going to ask how many minutes he played in that season. They're just going to look at his shiny metal and be like, "Oh, sick! Granddad was a bowler." Is that is that what Calvin Phillips cares about? His grandkids asking about yeah. his trophies. Yeah, he's a family man. People he's want a to family f- man. Shut up! I don't know. I, look. I know Calvin Phillips quite well. He's obviously I spoke to him oh. last week. Did you? Yep, yep. In the WhatsApp group with him. Um, he's he's like a small town community boy. Like I don't honestly, I don't think he cares to be a footballer that much. 
No, nah, he, he can't do if he went there. There's there is guys in this Pep system that it's hollow four, and that is why we see players. People seem to think it's it's unusual when players walk away from this team when they're still wanted players, but it's why it's it's why it happens. Um, yeah, Cancelo is a good example. Cancelo is a good example of it, but you've also got Leroy Sane pushed his way out, ended up at Bayern, True. consistent yep. minutes, also trophies. Um, Oh, Jesus Raheem, is another one as well. Yep, Jesus, Raheem Sterling eventually when he felt less required. Bernardo Silva had a period where he tried to push his way out as well. So there's guys that, that aren't getting the minutes they want in this team that are that are going elsewhere still at good points in their careers to chase more minutes. But then there's, it seems to me like there is guys that are also just happy to to win for the sake of winning. Yeah, they're, uh, they're so lucky Bernardo Silva stayed because I thought he was brilliant again this game. I think he's brilliant every game. And I wanted to know what you thought... Is he as important to City now as David Silva was in the era before him when they were winning bulk trophies? Absolutely not. Not at all. Not you know, I reckon? I reckon he is. I reckon he's the Who did you say, sorry? Bernardo David Silva. Silva. I think and David Bernardo. Silva. Yeah. Maybe a couple of seasons ago, he was the main He was the main guy. I don't think he is anymore, but um, he's still a ridiculously talented footballer that any other club would love to have. It was um, best on for this one for me. But he's not the. I, I know what you're saying about the David Silver thing. I think he probably was a few seasons ago. Yeah. He was the main man. But um, yeah, maybe not right now. Uh, we'll move it on. I'm going to do a quick wrap of maybe some uh, some European stuff. I'll start with Syria. Um, you, a big week. Juve getting a one nil win over Verona with a 97th minute penalty. This is after disallowed goals in the 13th minute to Vlahovic and the 53rd minute to Moisa Keane. Um, and Andrea Cambiasso, who is uh, 23 years old, uh, gets on the score sheet, defensive midfielder, uh, 97th minute. How do you like that? Uh, Cagliari Frosinone, I sent the highlights of this game to you guys. Um, two uh, bottom dwellers a little bit, uh, Cagliari mainly. They're, they're down at the bottom. Frosinone have been okay in their first season back up, um, but they found themselves 3-0 up away to Cagliari here, um, only to concede in the 72nd minute, the 76th, the 94th to make it 3-0, and then in the 96th minute to lose it uh, 4-3. Cagliari, some much-needed points for them, but just we all love a seven-goal. The old comeback from 3-0 down, it's huge. It's the stuff you play out in the backyard when you're a kid, hey. You always go 3-0 down. You never start well. You go 3-0 down, and then you claw your way back. Did did you ever used to play tennis against a wall? And count scores and like make shit up oh. in your head, yeah. And you're like, oh, I'm always, I always two sets down, you know. Always had to come back. Always had to come. Crowds, back. crowds on your back, the Australian even. Um, Inter played Roma. Uh, Lukaku's return to San Siro this time in a Roma shirt. Um, another one that went a bit late, but Inter could have probably should have won this game by miles. But Roma nearly pinched at that uh, Cristante header. It was well saved by Jan Sommer. Then Marcus Turam. The man they got in to replace Lukaku, he he popped up with a, a winning goal in the 81st minute after a did, great ball by uh, DeMarco. Did, did anyone watch this game or watch the highlights from this game? Yeah. See the Inter Ultras handed out just, just over 30,000 whistles before yeah. this game to be blown every single time Romelu Lukaku touched the ball. And it was one of the most annoying fucking things I've ever heard in my mm. life. They're a petty bunch, the Inter Ultras. Um, very petty. I don't know if either of you have uh, seen this uh, Fed- uh, Federico DeMarco play the the left wing back for Inter, but he's he's great. He's going to be starting left back for Italy in all their internationals as well. Like he's a, he's a star, and his ball on a platter for Turan was was excellent. Uh, Napoli hosted Milan, uh, two all draw. Our boy Oli Giroud popping up with a double, um, but Politano scored a great solo goal. It was some questionable goalkeeping to get them back in the game. And then Raspadori scored a free kick. Uh, was this Raspadori was at West Ham? No, that was Scamacca, wasn't it? It was Scamacca, yeah. It was Scamacca. I get them both confused, the Sassuolo, Sassuolo youth. Um, but Raspadori's free kick made it 2 all, And then um, um, Milan probably could have won it, but just didn't. Some interesting subs in this one from Paolo. Um, Kalulu got injured and have to come, had to come off early. That happens. Um, Milan really have no centre backs at the moment. And then mm, Kulisic wow. came off at half time. Not sure if he has an injury or not. I haven't seen anything about that. But he came off at half time. And then with the game on the line at two all, Giroud on a hat trick. He came off, and so did Rafael Liao, the match, 
the match winner that they always turn to. So some interesting subs there. Uh, Pioli copping a little bit of heat at the moment in Italy, but um, he won a Scudetto a season or two ago, so he'll have it. Um, He's got credit in the bank. And the last one is probably Lazio Fiorentina, worth mentioning. Lazio, a 95th minute penalty, I think it was in this one. Yeah, 95th minute penalty for a mobile. One of the most, uh, just a really bizarre handball to give away in the box, arms stretched out for real no re- really no reason, not looking at the super ball, and it, just, and it just hits it. Not yeah. super blatant. It could have been one of those ones where the ref goes, oh, proximity doesn't give it, um, mm-hmm. but just bizarre thinking. Just, um, just thought, screw it. This guy's an idiot. Let's Harry Kane <laughs> over in Germ over in Germany. Bayern winning eight 0 over Darmstadt. Like the can can going absolutely oh, off that stupid, eight times. The stupid music they play in that stupid stadium with their stupid sponsored section of white shirts for the T Mobile and their stupid Harry Kane and their stupid halfway goal. And <laughs> anyway, he got a hat trick. He's on fire at the moment. Um, Bloody Dortmund, good goal. Dortmund in the chase uh, had a three-all draw with Frankfurt and RB Leipzig won 6-0 away to Cone, I believe it was. I haven't checked that, but just believe me, take my word for it. Um, I'll move to Spain. There's only one game I guess we can talk about. You guys have both seen it. I was going to mention in the same breath as Harry Kane, uh, this guy Jude Bellingham scored a double. He hasn't stopped scoring this season, scored an absolute rocket to level the game and then scored a match winner with these genius late runs into the box that he makes. But uh, just before El Clasico, do you think that like Bellingham, maybe without Kane, but Bellingham and Kane look like they could almost be dragging England to a major trophy soon, couldn't they? Yeah, I'm not sure if you saw the um if you saw the chatter as well about um with the young young player of the year award at Blondeur last night that Jamal Musiala also played for um, the England youth teams with Jude Bellingham, but then chose to represent mm. Germany at senior level. That could be one hell of a combination if he'd stuck around to play for England. Oh, no. Are you ruining it? Are you a little bit upset there, mate? No, just excited to watch. Watch Jude continue to, to grow, I guess. You only yeah. need Jude, man. How did you see this? How did you see this El Clasico? It was, yeah, um, a decent game of football. It felt... It felt a little bit scrappy at times. It's still not your your classic El Clasicos that we're used to, but mm, it's yeah, an improvement great. on seasons gone. And you can tell that these are two a young Barcelona side and a young and a young Real Madrid side starting to to grow into into this league and, and grow into these fixtures more so than they have in previous seasons a little bit more. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, well, look, I didn't enjoy the game that much to be honest. I, I, yeah, like you said, it was scrappy, but I, it felt it definitely lacked the edge of previous El Clasicos when mm. you had that um, very reliable, known structure of players that seemed to play each other every season, and they were always playing for the title, and they were just at each other's throats. I mean, it was missing a Sergio Ramos, I think, is what I'm getting at. Yeah. There was no real firelighters in in this, um, and look. It, it, when you when you take that away, you kind of expect the football to take over, but the football wasn't quite there. It wasn't at the highest quality that you would hope for. Uh, maybe it was detracted by the bloody Rolling Stones spectacle that delayed the game for like 10 minutes prior to it. <laughs> and, and look, I get Barcelona are sponsored by Spotify, but this is very much in the Bayern Munich territory of just letting your sponsors take too much control of the game day experience. Um, you, We don't, among the three of us, Probably, I'd say La Liga is probably the league we watch the least of. I'm not counting the French league because that's just... A it's not It's thing. not a league. It's not a thing. Um, I was talking to someone today about, they call it the top five European leagues. It's really a top four, then a gap to France, then a gap to everyone else. But yeah. um, They meant Holland in there, right? We, watch, we don't watch La Liga a whole lot, but uh, I've mentioned on here before, sometimes I do really enjoy tuning in to watch a Barca or a Real Madrid game. You know, they're two of the best teams in the world. Um some of the best players on the planet are out there and there's all this mythology around them. You know, like when you watch Brazil at a world cup, you know, it's like what, so watching Real Madrid and Barca. And so when they play each other, it's a great opportunity. The games I have seen this season, I've watched a couple of Barcelona games. Um, I don't think that the stadium move this year while the new camp gets it's done up is not helping yeah. at all. That old, the old nineties Olympic stadium that they're yeah. playing in, in Barcelona is just not, it's a long way away from the ground, uh, from the pitch. You know, it's the very, the old school style with the running track around. It's not really 
helping. And it just doesn't feel the same as a normal Barca game at the Nou Camp with the the high, steep stands that you can even see on TV right on the edge of the ground going way back. Um, but yeah, just like you said, Tom, I think a, a fairly like enjoyable, but not at times, but not enough to really sustain a 90-minute game of football. Yeah, um, it was never really edge-of-your-seat stuff. You're never really no. totally gripped by it. Saved saved by a, um, yeah, just a Bellingham rocket. And then, like I said before, the, the way this guy makes his late runs, and dare I say Aaron Ramsey-esque. Oh, <laughs> um, what a lof- lofty comparison. <laughs> Can he live up to it? But just the way, um, you know, the way he makes those those the late run into the box from midfield, like he's a midfielder and he's just, scoring a stupid amount of goals and he's just shown that he can score. He scored the cha- in the Champions League during the week from a cutback where he placed it perfectly in the side netting. And then he's obviously scored a rocket here and he pops up with, he scored a lot of goals in like the six yard and penalty area this year too. This, um, if this game showed me one thing, it is how much I cannot stand this world's obsession with slow-mo and still images because it was like they watched this Jude Bellingham goal go in and then they just thought, that was awesome. How slowly can I watch it? Because yeah. we watched this goal six times on replay in slow-mo and instead of showing it for the awesome goal it was, it almost made it look like a like a keeping error from Mark Andres to Stegen because he gets somewhat of a hand to it and it looks like he, could, he should save it. But then you watch it at full speed. The and ball's the ball's moving. past him by the, time he's, fast. by the time he's actually gotten off the ground. The ball is almost past him. And I just don't understand why there's a producer on huge money in this box going, wow, how fast was that shot? Let's slow it down. <laughs> Are they, La Liga, one, I think last season was when they introduced those, the 4K Ultra HD cameras and they go ham on it. <laughs> it goes, they go nuts on it. And sometimes the the coverage is real tough to watch, but um I don't particularly love the football in La Liga anyway, but yeah, there you go. Um, I enjoy that it looks like the WWE every time the players are walking out to the pitch. Mm. I do really like the picture quality on that. Maybe if they just got different angles, like if they had Skycam or something, like a bull tracker that just watched the flight and the speed of the bull, that would be much better. We'll invest in it. We'll sponsor La Liga, Skycam, done. Uh, we might leave it there. All right, stay tuned if you're listening. We've got a red edition coming up. Adelaide United had a pumping win, so uh, we're about to record that straight away, I reckon. So that'll be in your feed sometime this week. Just keep an eye on it, yeah? Keep an eye on the socials. Keep getting around it. Tell your mates. Have a good week, folks.